The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget Beach Finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level. With Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. Hello, everyone. This is your Broadway buddy, Ben Cameron, and you are listening to The Broadway Cast. The Broadway Cast is the weekly theater talk show that brings your favorite Broadway personalities together for hysterical, informative, and inspiring roundtable conversations. On this episode of The Broadway Cast, we are going global as we celebrate the record-breaking run of one of my favorite musicals of all time, Come From Away. We are welcoming cast members from productions all over the world, including from the Broadway company, James Soul, from the Australian and New Zealand companies, Douglas Hansel, from the national North American tour, James Earl Jones II, and from the West End production, Jonathan Andrew Hume. Now let's go on with the show. Oh, my stars and garters, that's right. We are completely global today with stars from all over the world from Come From Away. But before I introduce you to these incredible gentlemen, I want to remind you that you can follow us on social media at The Broadway Cast. Easy breezy. Hit me up at Ben Does Broadway. Make sure you subscribe to the show, rate and review us. And if you want to support us even further, we'd love it if you visited our Patreon page. Go ahead and support us on Patreon, and you are going to get exclusive behind-the-scenes footage available only to you, our Patreon family. All right, we are in the presence of greatness from all over the globe. Let's meet these incredible stars. And we'll say hello to James Soul from the Broadway Company, who plays Kevin T, Garth, and others. Hi, James. Hi, Ben. How long have you been in Come From Away? Uh, I joined the company when Broadway reopened back in September of last year. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So what's it been? Eight, nine months now or so? Something like that. We're so glad to be back open. Yes. Holy. Very glad. Uh, from the Australian and New Zealand casts of Come From Away, Douglas Hansel. Hi, Douglas. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm absolutely marvelous. You, friends, get ready. You're going to hear some fun accents today. It's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to love it. We're not just... <laughs> and not just not, not just the Gander accent. No. Although we'll probably get into that yeah. as well. There might be some screech involved. Uh, 
from the touring production, we've got James Earl Jones the second. Hello, James. What's up? James, you've got the best speaking voice I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I, uh, well, thank you. Thank you kindly. I feel like I just want you to recite poetry to me on some level. That's getting weird. Never, but Sure. Nevermore, of course. <laughs> you, surely I'm not the first person to tell you that. No, no, you're not. But it's, uh, but it's all good. I, I thank it you, is. and I appreciate that. Excellent. And then from the West End production in London, England, we have Jonathan Andrew Hume. Please, Kevin J, Ollie, and others. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, how you doing? How are you? I'm terrific. Thank you for joining us because you are uh, at a much different time than the rest of us are as we record this. Yeah, it's very different here. Yeah, it's um, 10 p.m. here as we're recording this, and I've just come finished the show and I'm um, sitting in my car outside my house. <laughs> Welcome to the late, late show in your car. Well, that's the beauty of technology, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so I want to ask first and foremost for all of you gentlemen, is there any intersection? Uh, are you familiar with each other? Have you ever met one another or is it, this is all new to, to one another, all these spaces? Well, I can start. Um, Jonathan and I saw each other last week. Uh, I'm in London at the moment as well. And, um, I actually went to see the show for the f- only the third time ever I've been involved in come from way since 2019. And, um, I saw it before I returned to Australia. I saw the London production uh, in 2019. And then I've seen our production once when I was uh, swung out. And then I saw it for the third time last week. And Jonathan and I had a quick chat. And um, and I know, I know um, oh, well, I mean, James Saul and I have kind of chatted on Facebook. And, <laughs> you know, Facebook. you sort of, you make, we're Facebook buddies and you, you know, you make <laughs> friends with, with your counterparts all across the world. Yeah. Which right, because you you do you two play the same role? Is that right? Yes, we do. We do yeah. Oh, yeah. so you got to chat you know, about. Can tell because we look we look so similar. Absolutely, <laughs> you, you all listening can't tell right now, but they are the spitting image of one another. It's hard. It's not very difficult for me to tell them okay. apart. I told Doug that Doug is like the model version of Kevin Kevin T, like the rugged, handsome model version of, of Kevin. What T. he means is bald. He means I'm the bald <laughs> Kevin T. He's trying to be. He's trying to be, um, you know, charming and and lovely. But I see. I mean, that. in all seriousness, James, you're the only one here from the cast with hair right now. <laughs> Everybody else is bald. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually. Well, I guess the question to that becomes. Is it because of the show? <laughs> yeah. Is it the Those show? Chairs, I don't know. Maybe because I've only been in it for a short period of time, so maybe that's what I have to look forward to. Jeez. We're trying something new. <laughs> Come from away episode brought to you by Minoxidil. Um, <laughs> so we like uh, we like to ease our way into these to these roundtable discussions here. Uh, the Broadway cast. We like to loosen up with a little bit of a game. And since we are so international, and you've probably played this game before, but play along with us here. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna name some uh, some British words, and I'm going to see if you can tell me what the Americanized counterpart would be. What how Americans would say that. So let's say, first and foremost, uh, that I'm ordering up chips. If I'm ordering chips at a restaurant, what am I ordering? Price. 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 Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yep. Correct. I'm assuming that I'm exempt from these answers. <laughs> Unless you just want the opportunity to sound very smart. 
Oh, yeah. And run away with it. All right. Uh, If I'm going out, I need to make sure to put on my rubbers. That's going to mean something different in Americanese. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it means something very different. Very different. So if I'm British, I put on my rubbers. Is that that gym shoes? Rain boots, rain boots. That's right. Mm, yeah, Very Wellington boots. Very what boots? Wellington boots. Wellington boots. Wellington boots. Or right. galoshes? Is that or, what they're also called? Or wellies. Wellies, right? Oh, wellies. That's the cute way of saying it. And yes. Uh, all right. How about this? If I've got to go fill up my car, I need to put in. Guess. Petrol. Oh, nope. Petrol. Yeah. That's it. Petrol. I actually have a friend who has a daughter who's uh, the the father of the daughter is British, and she's this little girl, American girl, growing up in New Jersey, and actively says petrol, which makes her adorable. Oh, hang on. We're, we're, we're guessing we're guessing the the Americanization of the British words. Is that what we're doing? Well, it's it's going back and forth. We're just throwing it out there. We're just, we're just throwing just, it okay, out there oh, okay. and seeing where it lands. Uh, let's okay. see. yeah. So we say petrol. We we differentiate between petrol and diesel. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. What if I'm going, let's see, what if I have to visit the loo? The bathroom. Bathroom. Right. Easy enough, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. this one, um, I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to say the American version. You tell me how we say it, the British version. I got to take out the trash. Rubbish? Rubbish. What a cute word, rubbish. Yeah. Is. Rubbish. It is rubbish. Oh, yeah. rubbish. What a better word yeah. than trash. Yeah. Rubbish. <laughs> yeah, garbage garbage to us is American in our in our heads. Garbage. It's just, appropriately. Yeah. And it's a, see yeah. that's I think in Australia we just I think in Australia we just take a little bit of each. Like we just decide I think you what do, we want yeah. to say and we just like mix Which it sounds nicer. <laughs> garbage is such an ugly word too. It's such an ugly American garbage. Rubbish is cute. Unless and you if, give it a bit of garbage. Garbage. Well, that just sounds like dinner. Garbage. Well, I, I want to yeah, put some creme fraiche on garbage. That's uh, why but... people say tarjay. Exactly. Tarjay. <laughs> Correct. What it is ultimately is gaslighting at the end of the day. Yes, um, it is. And then, of course, if I'm going out in public, I really should remember to put on my trousers, which are my... Well, we pants, of course. Uh, that's right, James. That's there, right. There are pants. Oh, 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 right. Sorry, we were doing the flip. So, because I don't know. You, I, because pants, in, pants in England means something different. That means your... Pants means underwear. Oh. Wow. Which makes it very fun to be a tourist in England and to be talking out yeah. loud. Like, oh, gosh, I lost my pants. I don't know if you've had that experience while traveling to England, but maybe that's just me. Um, <laughs> all right. We made, it, we made it through that. Thanks for rolling with it. Um, so come from away... I was doing a workshop with one of the Broadway cast members, Josh Breckenridge, the other day. I had him teaching some some kids, and I, he was asking them, and they knew about Come From Away. He was asking them what Come From Away is about at its core, and I loved that question. Uh, so I want to ask each of you, if you were to just put it into a cute little pouch of an idea, what is Come From Away about? I would say... Oh, go ahead, James. I would say Come From Away is a story about how a tiny town in Canada showed the world how to behave in the when upon an atrocity. 
that's how I would sum it up. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I think we could hold uh, something about... Um, I, I know on my first day of rehearsal, uh, our director told me or to start the conversation around rehearsals and, and beginning the entire process, he said that Come From Away is about showing kindness and grace to complete strangers, generosity to strangers, uh, when it is hard to do so. And I feel like that's sort of uh, a, a slightly more, um, what's the word, uh, larger picture version of what Jonathan just shared. Yeah, I love, I love the way that that's described as, you know, making, doing, showing kindness when it's hard to do so. I think the, the distilled version is just the simple word community. I think, um, and, I, and I, I would, the thing I've always thought about Come From Way is that although, you know, what, what the people of Ganda did that day was extraordinary, you, you, you hope that a community, no matter where they're based in the world, faced with such similar circumstances would do the same thing. I mean, that's the idea that, you know, we all come from a way, we're all capable of, of our better, you know, tapping into our better angels, we're all capable of kindness. Um, and that's, I think, why these casts from around the world are so interlinked because, and we're also different in the way we portray these characters and the way we sort of visit ourselves upon them, that it kind of, it's about, the world it's sort of it's sort of like gander is the microcosm speaking about the entire the entire planet in a way i would say it is a love letter to humanity um i i think that um you know especially in the states it's like we when we are seeing the worst of times um we remind people um, that there there can be a better way. That people can be can be better, um, and it doesn't take a whole lot to do so. Um, I, that's why I feel like our show is so necessary, right? Like no matter where I go in the states or in Canada, I feel like I hear people saying, you know, like you know with what's going on right now, you know, and that was, you know, three years ago, with what's going on right now, you know, this, it's really important to tell this story. And it's like, yeah, and with what's going on right now, it's important to tell this story, right? What, I think that we, we find ourselves surrounded by so much vitriol and hate and ignorance, um, violence, and so doing our show continues, you know, I think that all of the casts have this amazing privilege of just being able to to remind people that like that that it's it's okay to be good and it doesn't take as much as you think. I mean, while we are all focusing a lot I think now on mental health, I think I'm I'm old enough that like back in the day it was like you're fine. Just you're fine. Just go to sleep and wake up tomorrow morning and you'll be you'll be better. But like now that we're having bigger conversations about mental health and helping others and and how small gestures can go a long way. Um, and uh, I have spoken too long, but a love letter to humanity is what I would say. Yes.
uh, I love that you. It's interesting that. what you say there, James, about the fact that um, people talk about what's happening right now or what's happening three years ago. Have any of you guys, once you're in the show, week to week, felt certain things that are in the news cycle resonate completely differently on on in each show? Oh, one hundred percent. I there have been two actual memorable instances of that. There was one instance where uh, a politician had tweeted something or said something. I won't name this particular politician, but um, it was very incendiary and and just awful, awful. And there's a moment the Kevin T character says, "You know, I don't know if that would happen back home," referring to you know, the Ganderites all taking that moment of silence when the Americans were taking that moment of silence and to come together in that kind of unity. And and so the character expresses doubt and says, I don't know if that would happen back home. And, you know, I don't, I, I try to keep some sort of buffer between like real life and, you know, and I, you know, in that weird way of trying to be honest and making sure that I'm not trying to pretend that, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be false or play things falsely, but in that moment, I just I got flooded with uh, the memory of this stuff that was happening, and I I started to tear up and I started to get, to get very emotional. Um, and then the other moment that happened recently was, you know, there was a a, a very tragic shooting here, or rather, more than one, but there was one relatively recently uh, that happened on a Tuesday, and in the prayer sequence, the the um, character speaking to the rabbi says, you know, I had to tell somebody because of af after everything that had just happened on Tuesday, and I just, the, the, the sort of uncanny connection between this character talking about something completely different, but then referencing the day of the week that this terrible tragedy had happened in this country, it was, all, again, another one of those moments where it was really hard to... Um, or rather, it was the connection between real life and something that was occurring in the show was sort of instantaneously reconciled and 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 sort of um, uh, slammed together, and it was hard not to um, have some sort of reaction to it emotionally. And I wonder, do you think that's part of the success of the show and why it continues? to find new audiences and have people keep coming back is that it can resonate with the audience in different and new ways based on what's happening in the world. Um, have you had, have you heard from audiences that say, my gosh, this took me, I watching this reminds me of this in my life or what's going on in the world. And have you had those kinds of examples brought to you by the audience? I think you get that a lot in, in very different ways, but the thing that sort of, I find most interesting is um, we were the first company in the world to come back post COVID. And I remember, unfortunately we lasted about six months and then Australia went back into harsh lockdowns. But I remember um, saying to people, it's going to be really interesting when the show comes back up, because in a way, if you look at the timeline of history, there are punctuation points. 2009-11-2001 is a punctuation point. And it just sort of feels like the pandemic is the next punctuation point along in history. And so 
9-11 is no longer the most recent calamity. It's now the pandemic is the most recent calamity. And far from actually that, um, dis, like um, reducing the impact of the story, I think it really enhances it because people have a localized memory of catastrophe and trauma and they sort of superimpose that into the telling of the story. So I found, I found personally that when, we, when the show came back, audiences sort of had a thirst for it that, I, I, I mean, they've always, it's always a stand on your feet kind of show. Of, you know, that's just the, the way the show is built. It's built to get the audience out of their seats at the very end of it. But there was something different post COVID that I thought was really interesting. And I can't quite put my finger on it, what it was specifically, but it was certainly present. It was an energy that was there. Um, and it spoke very much to that. I think that's really well put because I think we're talking about collective trauma that people are coming into the mm, theater yeah, all that's it. carrying that weight. And, that's and it. this is the kindness medicine to, to kind of affect that. It's hard to mm. deny that if you're a living, breathing human. That's it. It's like kind of like, you know, everyone's been, everyone got used to in, in during the pandemic, you know, looking out for your neighbor at, <laughs> at a distance, but, you know, doing, doing small acts of kindness for each other, um, whether it was checking on the person next door or whatever it was. So I think the show actually, um, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think it's been enriched by recent history, by the trauma of, of COVID. I would say that, um, Performing in this show, like, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but like, being a black man in America is traumatic enough, and and I and I love that I can be a part of, be a part of a show that talks about the beauty of community and the beauty of kindness, and not looking at you and judging you and treating you less than or as a subhuman because of how you look or what you believe or who you love. Um, and I think the the tour, while I think all the companies have this great privilege of telling the story, I think the tour has a very unique privilege of telling it throughout the US and, the, and Canada in the regard that like, um, you know, there are things that are hap happening specifically, you know, in those places. Like when, when we came back from Canada in 2019 and we went to, Omaha, like there were awful floods and they were affecting, they were affecting Omaha, they were affecting Iowa, right? So then this wasn't even like a Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS thing. Like we were just raising money for the people whose homes had been destroyed um, by the floods, uh, for people who had been dispersed. And, and so it's like, we can go to various cities and those communities are each dealing with something. Um, um, perhaps very traumatic aside from just the experience of 9-11 but like knowing what happens like I'm from Chicago I still live in Chicago and like just the violence that happens all the time like I'm I, I never need a reminder of like how we can be better and how we should be better and how things sometimes are not um, where we'd like them to be Coming back to the just that idea. Yeah, I'm just reminded that we had that we had that similar we had a similar kind of experience after the bushfires, where and I mean that's sort of the Australian probably experience of it of the show is that you know the bushfires um, really 
you've just reminded me, James, that, you know, that was a moment of great, you could feel the tension in the room was so much, so much, differed so much to anything that had come before because people were literally, like there was in the middle of Melbourne, in the middle of the city, there was a smoky haze, you know, and, you know, people were losing their homes and their lives and their, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary what, how, different traumas in different parts of the world can be, um, you know, the show kind of sort of act as a balm in a way, no matter where, no matter where you are. Yeah. And in, a, in an incredibly unique way that I think not, not many, if, if any musicals really can. Um, I want to ask you as people, we're talking about this, the kindness and the community and, and how it, can be translated into so many of these traumatic events for us as communities, for you as actors, as people, as you go through your day to day, getting to live this experience of these small acts of kindness on stage, of course, while singing absolutely gorgeous music, how has it affected you in the way that you go out into the world? Do you, do you go out into the world and say, oh, well, you know what? Because, because of Kevin, I'm going to approach this situation differently in my life, or now I'm going to look at this maybe in a different way. Have you found that to be true? I definitely have. I definitely have found since starting this show that um, I have changed for the better. My day-to-day um, approach to, to life and to meeting people and to how I actually associate and behave um, has has changed as well. You, there is the 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 over overlying thought, the subconscious thought of empathy for others, what other people are going through at certain times in their life, and of course that's been exacerbated by the pandemic and and everything that's been going on in the news cycles for the last however many years. Um, but the lessons and the experiences that are taught and portrayed in the show, I challenge anyone to not um, walk away from that um, audience or cast or crew to not walk away from that and take that on as um, a responsibility um, to fellow man and how how we actually uh, go about our days. And I'm very thankful and I, I, I find myself to be very blessed to have actually not only uh, been a part of the show, but also to be playing characters like Kevin Jay and Ali and all of the others. And to not only put my own experiences in through it, but I'm sure some of the audience members have, have um, described the show as therapy for them. But for myself... I find it to be very therapeutic as well. I've since we opened in 2018, I've had deaths, I've had joys and and all of that sort of stuff and you go on stage and you live through the performance and you live through those experiences and there it's very therapeutic. I I I'm very thankful to the show for um for all of those changes inside of me. Um, I, I, I would say that the, um, the producers, um, I think the producers, uh, kind of gave the show a leg up with regards to the fact that, um, they, 
I think that a lot of the actors, I think all of the actors were chosen not just because they had a certain skill set, but because they were good people, right? Like I, I, I know just speaking to Kenny Alhadaf, who is, you know, part of the hind legs of the Junkyard Dogs, um, he, he spoke uh, about casting and about like, you know, like, hey, we just, we wanted really, we wanted good people talented people but also just good-hearted people right because we we want as much as possible for these people to be telling this story not just as actors but people who we think would believe that message who would relay that message with a certain level of of truth um um and i and i think that so with that i think a lot of the actors probably didn't have a long way to go to you know to um, to be af- affected in a in a great way, but I I think that, um, I think that you can see how it affects people and it it makes you makes you feel better. Um, you know, like people always ask me about what's my favorite part of the show. My favorite part of the show is the end because I you know there's some people who are absolute fans, others who have never seen it, and you know, and you're watching them in the audience. And some people know exactly what's going on. Some people have no idea what's going on, right? But then you get to the end, and it's like we've all gone on this journey, right? We, we're all part of, of this same movement, this same, this same, like, love story. And it's just so great because now it's like everybody's on the same page, right? You see people weeping. You see people crying. You see people smiling. You know that they're changed. You know that pre-pandemic... People were hugging more, shaking hands more. Like there was so much, there was so much more energy, so much more compassion in the room, right? And I think that, so it's it's just such an honor to like, to to absolutely tell this story. But I think that like, I think everyone, I think all of these casts are, you know, are good people from the outset who just, you know, are ha- happen to realize that, sometimes simpler things can can make a huge impact you know when people ask you like um you know like obviously jonathan just finished the show right and james is going to do a show shortly and it's like people i'm sure ask all of us how do you do it how do you tell the story twice a day aren't you tired aren't you worn down you know but it's like how can you get tired of telling a story that makes not only the audience, but you feel so good, right? A show that just keeps you perpetually in this place of goodness. Um, um, we have had six cast members just in our tour lose their fathers. Um, we also had one lose their mother, right? And this show has has allowed us to not just think about the, the goodness of the people of Newfoundland, but also the goodness of our company. Right. How we are a family and how we uplift and nurture one another and hold one another up when we are down. Um, And I think that to me, that was something that that we learned as a cast uh, about leaning on one another and being open to one another um, and sharing those those hard truths and, and pain with one another and knowing that we can we can help one another. That's that's kind of what I learned. Doug, did you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, I mean, I as I'm not a person of faith, um, so the thing that I find 
interesting actually there's two things i mean for me the heart of my my journey with the show is garth's line be anxious for nothing i just every time i you can sort of see the audience often just that's such a tender moment you can sort of see them or feel them release sometimes at that point but i find i find the lyrics to prayer really interesting because that because i'm not a person of faith um i feel like the lyrics to prayer are a sort of rendering like it's almost like kevin's saying in that moment render me better make me a channel like allow me to have the facility to be a better person and the best person i can be and it sort of um accept any kind of opportunity to for kindness that comes my way i think that is what he's what the character is doing in that moment as well i think he's tapping into a lapsed faith but as someone who comes from no faith i find it equally um powerful uh because i think it it does it sort of that 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 prayer has no end point in a sense there is no limit to how what the goodness that people are capable of so i think that's something that stays with me a lot and i i do th- i find myself thinking about the prayer a lot um uh, you know among many other things in the show but i guess that's how it how i relate to my my characters specifically it feels to me like uh, Come From Away should be required viewing for people every three months. I know sometimes I have to go back and read. Yeah, I don't know if you've read The Four Agreements. You guys know this book. It's a little book that's got four ideas that you live by. And every year or so, I'll crack that open and feel like I'm living a much fuller, richer life because it simplifies it for you, right? Don't make the assumptions. Do your best. These kinds of things. Uh, and I think what Come From Away does so beautifully is simplify how you can be effective in this in this life and it's through these simple acts of kindness i just feel that people could really get a lot out of watching it every once in a while which you can on apple tv plus um so here do you want a fun fact my friends here's a fun fact for you on wednesday june 15th uh come from away will play its 1548th performance which it makes history because it'll be the longest running show in the 105 year history of Broadway's Schoenfield theater. That's kind of, wow. Wow. That's dope. Um, I think it beat Jekyll and Hyde. I think that's the show it beat that. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you that there's a very good reason for that. And if you've ever seen a Jack production of Jekyll and Hyde, you'll agree, but maybe that's just for me and my therapist. So I want to go, I want to play a little game with you here now that, uh, that is our, it's called, does anybody have a map? This is musicals on the map. I'm going to name a Broadway musical and my international panel, I charge you with identifying the location that that musical takes place in. Ah, I'm so going to probably lose on this one. (laughs) Let's find out together. All right. I'll start easy. The Lion King. Okay, I know that one. Yes, and what's the answer? Shout it out, gentlemen. Shout it out. Oh, the savannah in Africa. That's correct. Absolutely. If anybody has anything more specific. I mean, I kind of cheat on that one. I've been in the show, so that's a cheat. (laughs) Well, if you didn't know it, we would dock points from your your camp. All right. Next up, one of my favorites, Sunset Boulevard. 
Los Angeles. Absolutely. Los Angeles. Hollywood, California. Uh, once. Dublin? Oh. Ding, ding, ding. James Soul. That's right. That's absolutely Dublin. Yeah. Something rotten. London. Yes. Stratford on Avon. Yeah, London. <laughs> yes. But thank you for the very specific Stratford on Avon. Uh, when we were doing our reason, well, I'll tell you this in a moment. Hold Phantom of the Opera. Paris. Paris. Paris, yes. It's in Paris. It feels awfully British, but it's in Paris. Same with Les Mis. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, Les Mis is being done in Cockney accents all over the world, and I it's French. I'm <laughs> totally confused. Don't understand it, but I'm here for it. All right, I've got a couple more for you. Uh, Evita. Buenos Aires. Argentina. Oh, specifics. Yes. That's right. Argentina. Now, phew, if you got James another specific. one. Uh, in the Heights. Washington Heights, New York City. Correct. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Here's a good one. I did this show in high school, so I know the answer. Uh, Man of La Mancha. Spain. Correct. Yeah. La Mancha is La Mancha yeah. in Spain. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. an actual place. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Israel. Egypt. Jerusalem, yeah. Jerusalem. Egypt. Egypt. Egypt, right. Uh, the, the, the crazy cool. stuff goes down in Egypt, that's for sure. Uh, ding, ding, ding. You all did it. Congratulations. That's how we play. Yes. Um, since we're on the international tip, I think it'll be interesting. Um, and I don't know, for some of you who, I think I've, I've understood that a few of you have been able to work in the UK as well as in Australia. Is that true? Yeah. I, Jonathan lived, John, I've, I've divided my time between the UK and Australia for about the last eight or nine years. Great. Um, and what is that a dual passport situation, a dual citizenship thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. That's the dream. I want that. So I just need to marry an American now and I've got like the triumvirate. Oh, fantastic. Well, then I'm glad you're on the podcast today. Uh, let's tell our listeners what yeah, you're looking just, for. This is an open ended offer. Yeah. We're looking yeah. for a very wealthy. I mean, very wealthy, very attractive theater goer. Theater goer who loves accents. Go. Who loves accents, <laughs> correct. Yeah. yeah. But exactly. who would also get access to a dual passport? No, I don't know. That... Sure, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. that's how it works, isn't it? Uh, yeah. They get mine, I get theirs. Is that how it works? Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Right. There you go. There's incentive yeah. there. Absolutely. So Absolutely. hit us up on social media What's at the Broadway cast, and we'll <laughs> we'll get you hitched real quick. We'll get you hitched, and Doug will come I didn't realize he's going to get a fiancé out of this interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, if not here, then where? Um, so in that, I want to know, what are the noted differences? You hear about some of these when people talk who have done maybe UK and they've done uh, shows in New York. What are kind of the intrinsic differences of living that eight show a week life, maybe in New York, maybe in London, maybe uh, down under? That was the only Australian accent I'm going to attempt today. You're welcome. Thank you very much. For I, I've only I've not worked in the States, but for people that I I know who have worked in both places, one of the things that they told me is that when the show comes down in America, things are still open. When the show comes down in England, things are starting to shut. <laughs> oh. Oh. Now I'll, let me ask you this. But except, New York's pretty much bars, hours, right? I mean, right? Bars and pubs must be open, right? Yeah, but I mean like 
it's it's very you can't do half as much as you probably could do in New York that you can do in England. That's fair. You can do an awful mm. lot in New York past midnight. We get, it's very we get much Mondays. a twenty-four hour city, right? Yeah, the the city that never sleeps. Yeah. And they've got this thing called insomnia. Yeah, I mean, and bars bars stay open till like two, right? And some stay open till like four. Oh, yeah, there's stuff. Yeah, there's all this stuff. Yeah. Now, is there in reaction in Australia? We don't do Mondays. Oh. That's yeah. I think that's. I was just going to say in Australia we don't do Mondays, and I think I think you guys all do Mondays. What, don't you? All shows? It's just so come we, from we, away or all shows? No, no, no. Mo- all shows. Mondays are day off. Yeah, we're dark. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a lot of Broadway shows. You're are dark, dark Wednesdays, on did you say? Oh, really? Is that true? Okay, I yeah, thought I, I was I was under the impression that. I think yeah. it's changing more and more. More schedules are getting kind of intermixed to kind of maximize audience availability for for yeah. some shows. Yeah. But are in the UK are shows dark on Sunday? It depends on the type of show really. So a lot of the family centric shows like Frozen and Lion King and things like that they like to do shows on a Sunday. Um whereas come from away uh, our dark show is on a our dark day is a Sunday. There's actually um, a big discussion going on around uh, the industry um, and with equity about the movement towards the Sunday shows because with that, of course, businesses, you know, people get more people into the audience um, into the audiences. But for us as performers, especially those with families, that means us spending less time with our families. So it's a very much of a a lose win lose situation that we're kind of discussing at the moment to see if there is some kind of respite or with with all of that. And James, are you always dark on on Mondays on the road? Is that well? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to, I was going to, to <laughs> right. James Earl. No. Sorry. Yes, you know. Yeah, it's probably me. It's so James and a James Earl. I think that I like it more. The, the more the merrier. Then we'll be good. Then more we'll be James good. Yeah. is more. Um, Yes, there it is. Um, yeah, we're pretty consistent um, because most of our most of our times, most of our Mondays are travel days, right? So, right. Um, it it wouldn't it wouldn't work for us. There's a there's a huge setup, right? I mean, our <clears throat> our crew our crew they're superheroes because you know, like almost every week they break the entire stage down. We move to the next city. Um, they build it up and the actors come in we at about 5 p.m. We have a company meeting. We do a sound check. We run all of the largest transitions um, and sound check, large transitions. And then we have about a half hour before half hour. And that is systematically what happens every oh every single Tuesday. Um, and occasionally we so have... You Wow. You said you literally what? So that's one day all that happens. You literally do it all in one day. Yeah, yeah. The trucks the trucks head out generally Sunday, late Sunday, early Monday, depending upon how long it took to break everything down. And we've had some we've had some fun moments where like uh car you know, a truck was traveling from Portland and like the truck broke down on the side of the road. Um we've had uh a moment where uh, a truck was <laughs> hijacked and they had like taken the sound equipment um, or they took what? they took the truck with the sound equipment in it 
and but we happened to have a tracker in it so we were able to get everything back um was this pre-pandemic or post that was pre that was pre-pandemic that was pre-pandemic um but we have had the truck break down um we also had a moment where like the entire door had something happened and it like got broken off but luckily not at the hinges so that they could just replace the door um so you know the crew they they <laughs> they go through a lot they are they are super awesome and 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 this is no shade to any other crew but i just they have to them breaking it down and like building it back up um every single week um uh, and you know prior to the prior to the pandemic um what we used to do as a collective uh the cast would like bring them food drink you know we just have it out there for them on tuesday kind of just to say thank you um but now you know everything is you know it's like everything must be individually wrapped we cannot you know you, yeah. you, there's certain things you can't you can't just have available and open um but we still try to find other ways to say thank you because uh the crew really are like they're superheroes Wow, I hadn't even thought. And James, about how that. much of the how much of the set is customized for this for the how much of the set is customized for the needs of the of the tour, or is it the exact same set that would be on Broadway? Like Ex that just blows my mind yeah, to think that. It, right? Yeah, that the exact thing gets exact built same up and set. Torn down every week. Yeah, that so is we mental. the Far the out. spinny stage we have fake trees. Of course, but, yeah. You know, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the trees, the stage, the the lift. The door, the back, um, all of it the same. All of it the same. Well, exactly the same. Far out. That's amazing. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, especially when you're touring around the UK, because obviously in relation to the size of America, we're very, very small, um, as are some of our regional theatres. So a lot of shows that are touring around the UK are, are minimised versions of the shows. Mm -hmm. uh, some may have to take out the revolves in their stages or the rakes on their stages and stuff. Um, but for Come From Away to... I mean, you've got the bigger theatres as well over there, but you, the, to be able to do that as well without compromising on anything, that's fantastic. It's it's pretty amazing. It's kind of cool, isn't it? Because you can't actually do Come From Away without a revolve, so you kind of have to say you want the show, you have to have the whole show sucked in, you know? Yeah. Like they, they don't well, really we, have a choice in the matter. And honestly, like, the, I, I obviously I can't speak to all of the schematics, you know, like, I saved that for the for the Carpenters, but um, I will say that... Oh well, listen. Hey, you know that's, <laughs> that is my big word. That's my big word for the for the year. Ten but um, thank you. Uh, but but yeah, it's basically set up in a way that like once it gets on the stage, it always looks great. Um, the houses are generally you know two to two to four thousand seats. It is wow. But but it's the load in that can be problematic because some of the theaters are very old and how you navigate things into the theater like that's what makes our crew like just an amazing crew because it's it's really kind of like a rubik's cube like how do we get these pieces in here and like get everything set up because it is it is not always easy i mean it's and not it's not, not even easy same. sometimes finding dressing rooms <laughs> right <laughs> it's like some of these places are so, old james James Earl, um, yeah. obviously you, you're touring around the states. Yeah. What 
do do you get like different audience reactions from different areas? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we were in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and um, silly me, I didn't know that um, Walmart was founded and was created out of the out of Arkansas, Fayetteville specifically. This uh, the Walton family, and so. Um, we mentioned we have a we have this line where Julia, who plays Janice, she's like, you know, thank you for shopping at Walmart. Would you like to come back to my house for a shower? And the audience lost their mind. Now, I, now, I'm about to come out and do the monologue, but I, but I step out and the light hits me, and I'm still looking at Julia because I'm like, the audience is losing their mind, and and I'm thinking to myself, and I and it's crazy because I'm like. Damn, I know Julia's funny. I, I I laugh at her. I I think I think her lines I think her lines are great. But, but they are going right. They were going ham, and I was like, and then it was afterwards that someone was like, "Yeah, Walmart Walmart started here," and I was like, "Oh," and Did that like, time you were there every time, every single time, and like, ah, I love it. wow, and you know, towards the end when we say Toledo, you're coming from Toledo. Or Taipei, we we were in Toledo. People lost their minds. Um, wow! Gosh, I love it. So it's like it really is a it really is a thing. And and obviously we don't have I know we don't have uh, any Toronto people on with us, but um, we have we have two new people who are joining the tour from the Toronto cast. Um, Kristen Pierce, they call Kiki. And Steffi, and I'm not going to murder her last name because I've only seen it twice, but um, Steffi and Kiki are here with us now. And just them watching the show, it was like, huh, that's how they react. Because I, I saw the show in Toronto, right? And, I, and it felt very different. Um, but I was kind of used to it because of Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. We had hit those cities as the tour. Um, and so it, it feels like a rock star party the whole time. And a lot of the things that we think, oh, that's not that's not funny. The the audiences in Canada were losing their minds. And I was like, OK, all right. OK, <laughs> the hometown that's, hero hey, that's cool. Deal. Yeah. Listen, listen, if they there's one specific thing and, and I'm I, and I'm going to stop. There's one line that we say that generally in the States, nobody laughs at. And everyone in Canada laughs their faces off. And that is when they say, why don't they send them to, you know, Montreal or Ottawa? Ottawa. And, and the mayor says, because we have less people to lose. The audiences in Canada, they see it as a joke and they love it. Wow. They are really? like, this, this is hilarious. But the interesting thing is, is that the person who actually said it his name was Major Stuckles, um, working with the Salvation Army and uh, in in Newfoundland, and it was it was a joke. It was like a ha ha. But like when you say it in the states, it's generally not funny. It, it we is can somber. actually tell there are Canadians in the audience because when when that line gets reactions, it's yes. inevitably because there's Canadians in the audience. Yes. For yeah. us, it's for us. It's See, Tim Hortons. It's because no one in Australia, the no one in Australia, here. has ever heard of Tim Hortons. We don't know what that is. And so, oh. if if there's 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 a there's laughter after Tim Hortons, we're like, ah, oh, the Canadian embassy is in tonight. Got right. it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Or something. That's you know, like, over in the UK as well. 
same with the UK. Yeah. We're like, oh, there's there's some Canadian tourists. Well, yeah. can I tell you? But I'm 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 shocked that that line gets a laugh in Canada actually, because to me that line we have less people to lose kind of sets up the next sort of twenty minutes of the story. And I because as you say, Ben, I think it's an incredibly somber kind of. It's a sort of check yourself kind of moment. And I'm, I just, I have never, ever, ever thought of that as a funny line. And that's, that's it's amazing Arby. to me. Yeah. It's Arby on it's stage really, if you get that reaction. All right. Yeah. Now I know we're running short on time, but before we go, we've got to get into the come from away lightning round. I'm going to pose a question to each of you going around and tell me your thoughts on that. Starting with Doug, favorite song in the show. I love that song. The Oh Shit song is hilarious. <laughs> it's not because I'm, it's not because I sing it, but I think Costume Party for some reason. I don't know why. I just, I think that's, I'm going to think back on this and go, no, that's wrong. Um, either Costume Party or I Am Here. James Soul, what is yours? I Am Here, actually. James yeah. Earl. The Welcome to the Rock reprise. Uh, Jonathan Andrew Hume. Something's missing. What's your favorite moment to experience on stage? We'll start with you, Jonathan, again. Favorite moment to experience. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the reaction to Oprah Winfrey line. Oh. Oh, well, yeah, we say Oprah Winfrey in Toronto, in Canada, they say, or in America. Do you say something different? Brokaw. Tom Brokaw? Yeah, we say Brokaw. Oh, yeah. yeah. We say Oprah Winfrey because no one has any idea who he is in the UK. <laughs> so, so do we. We say that too, yeah. We can yeah. tell when the house is skewed a little younger because people are like, who? That's amazing. <laughs> silence. Yeah. Now you know. Yeah, we say Oprah Winfrey too. Oh, I didn't know that. I love hearing yeah. stuff like this. All right, James. James Earl, what's your what's your favorite moment to experience from on the stage? Mm. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna first. I sound like a broken record. Welcome to the Rock reprise. Reprise, fantastic, James Saul. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, this is not necessarily something that I experience like as a particip active sure. participant, but I every night think the moment with Bob and Derm the mayor um, talking about the the barbecue and getting the grills that I love watching that every night. And, and I, and I do watch it every night sort of in the back. Um, and I think it just, cause it's so perfectly for me encapsulates so much of what the show means. So I love it every night. Doug, what about you? Uh, my favorite moment is um, after be anxious for nothing. The moment the uh, drums hit and the revolve goes for the first time. I just think that moment is electric. I love watching everybody else's reaction. They're like, Oh yeah, that part. I like that part too. Uh, and finally, elevator pitch, worst thing that's gone wrong on stage. James Soul. Oh, I don't know if Doug, maybe you've had this moment. So depending on like early on in the run, sometimes I can't hear the downbeat uh, when prayer starts. So. Oh yeah, for me that day's called a Tuesday. The. <laughs> where I just, I had a very long, pensive moment, just 
waiting to find the right moment to start singing. And it went on and on and it felt like, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure in reality it was maybe like, I don't know, 10 seconds or so, but it felt like, you know, three hours. Uh, and then, and then finally I just had to go. Like I, there's no, I just like, I hope this is right. <laughs> These are my favorite moments. I'm not going to lie to you. What about you, James Earl? Oh, whenever the turntable stops. See, it probably happens less when you guys are stationary, but the tour, when when the turntable stops, it becomes a real it becomes a real Rubik's cube of like what happens next. And you can see all of us connecting like like the the turntable stopped right before something's missing and then we just had to navigate the chairs for the plane uh, from something's missing, uh, removing the tables. Um, and it was, listen, it's, I uh, forgot that that sort of happened to us once too. It didn't stop. It's, yeah. it went at the half speed for something's missing. Oh, I forgot yeah, about that. No, it, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. it, that would yeah. have to be a showstop for us. Yeah, we, I mean, none of us would know what to do. <laughs> yeah, stage management, I mean, it's happened to us before. So, like, stage management was just like, we already knew. He was like, we're not stopping. Keep going. <laughs> and so, um, God, yes, yeah, God we bless. Kept, we kept going too. Oh, my God. Yes, our stage manager, Sean Pennington, shout out to Sean. He was like, he's like, you all are going to be fine. Put them, put them damn chairs where they need to be. Oh what about you, Doug? Um, well, I knew this question was coming, so um, I'm going to try and keep it brief. But we we actually had quite a scary um, medical emergency on stage, one of our company members, and it's only the third showstop we've ever had. And it was actually it was actually quite serious, um, and it affected us in a very visceral way. But the audience also responded to it as well and so we were playing at the Capitol theater in sydney it's one of the oldest old theaters this beautiful ornate theater but because there's no curtain they had to bring the, the fire curtain down now i don't know i've never not really had much experience of fire curtains coming down but this thing was slow it came down like centimeters per second and like what we're trying to you know and basically cut to the actor in question is off stage being tended to. He's, they're fine, absolutely fine. 15 minutes later, we start the show up again. And because of the adrenaline of what had happened, we're sitting in our places ready to go again. And they have to, of course, raise the fire curtain back up. This thing was so, by this point, so comically slow that we all <laughs> lost our shit. Because we're like, after all this, after all the anxiety and all the stress that we've just gone through in the last twenty minutes, to watch this thing just slowly, in its own sweet time, make its way up again, we just got the giggles, and it was the most traumatic, hilarious, overwhelming thing. Um, that was only in shows. Um, it was. It was just what a day. That was a day at work that I won't soon forget. And Jonathan, what's yours? So there is uh, the moment after the barbecues and grills scene with Bob um, where Janice comes out, she sets her timestamp and we say Thursday and the boys run off to get changed into the cardiologists. Now I've got to take two cardigans 
from the back of my chair and pass one to one actor and then take one off stage. And this is in the early days where we were just kind of finding our feet with the show. And for some stupid reason, one of the arms on the cardigans was dragging behind and I stepped on it as running off the, as I was running off the stage, slipped and hit the dirt pretty much like Bambi when he's first starting to learn to learn how to walk, the whole audience went, oh, and then I tried to, you know, as you do, you try and style it out. So I did some weird, inappropriate kind of tumble off to the stage and then came back on like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Meanwhile, knowing everybody is laughing their heads off at me, both on and off stage that that I will never live down. If you're not falling down on stage, you're not working hard enough at some point. Gentlemen, <laughs> the potential is there. Thank you all so much. This has been an absolute joy. I, I love this insight. What a great conversation. Um, I hope that all of you will remain friends from this point on and continued success with the show and wherever your careers continue to take you. And it's such a beautiful important piece of theater and it has been so fun to kind of get inside of it get inside the inner working so i appreciate you doug and james and james and jonathan um hopefully we'll get to talk to you guys soon thank you so much thank you ben thank you thank for you us. so nice to meet you all yeah it's been a great opportunity yes absolutely yeah well, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling warm and fuzzy all over with renewed faith in humanity. Well, a huge thank you to James Soul, Douglas Hansel, James Earl Jones II, and Jonathan Andrew Hume for joining us from all over the world. I love this show. You have till October only to see Come From Away on Broadway. I mean this, it should be required viewing for every good human every six months. If you like what we're doing, make sure you're following us on social media at The Broadway Cast. You can follow me directly at Ben Does Broadway. Make sure you subscribe to the show. You've got to rate us. You've got to review us. And if you want to support us even more, hit us up on our Patreon. Support us to get exclusive access, behind the scenes moments and goodies, and be part of our Patreon family. I'm your Broadway buddy, Ben Cameron, saying have a great show.